Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Hope you're hanging in there. This self-quarantined initiative, wherever you are in the world, hang in there. We will prevail. I want to thank you again for all your support. You guys are amazing, even during this time. It's incredible. And I hope you're enjoying this six-part series on the JFK assassination, inspired by Bob Dylan's 17-minute new anthem release entitled Murder Most Foul, which is an incredible song which I'm going to play for you in five parts throughout these episodes in each individual episode. So I hope you enjoy that. Never done that before. And these interviews, if you haven't been listening, will just blow you away. Already done them with Jim Mars, Gordon Ferry, and Zach Shelton. And now I'm going to give you the first of three parts with a fascinating woman, Judith Very Baker who was Lee Harvey Oswald's mistress at the time of the assassination. I guarantee you, you're going to really, really enjoy these. Starting with part one today. If you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz on Instagram or Twitter or BarryKatz.com. So without further ado, please enjoy part one of three parts with Lee Harvey Oswald's mistress, Judith Very Baker. Hey everybody, before I get started with part one of Judith Very Baker, I want to talk to you about an amazing documentary that I worked on a few years back called I Killed JFK, which was unlike anything I ever did in my life. It's centered on a man who'd been in prison for 30 years 
was the only person in history to have admitted to killing Kennedy, and his story is unbelievable. He started as a runner for the mob. He was hired to drive two hitmen from that city around Dallas, and he ended up being the guy who calibrated their weapons. And he was there that day with one of his own and took the fatal shot that killed John F. Kennedy on the grassy knoll. His story, the footage, the interviews, never been seen before. You can't find them anywhere else except on this documentary. So go to barrycats.com to the merch page and buy the documentary with the rare interviews of the five greatest historical experts in the world, many of which you'll hear on the next three weeks of podcasts. So just go to barrycats.com, the merch page, pick up the documentary and interviews, and I guarantee it will reverse the way you feel about what happened that day in 1963 and change your opinion of the government and how it works and alter the way you think about things forever. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. It was a dark day in Dallas, November 63. A day that would live on in infamy. President Kennedy was a right line Good day to be living and a good day to die He led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb He said, wait a minute, boys, you know who I am? Of course we do, we know who you are Then they blew off his head while he was still in the car Shot down like a dog in broad daylight Was a matter of timing and the timing was right You got unpaid debts We've come to collect We're gonna kill you with hatred Without any respect We'll mock you and shock you And we'll put it in your face We've already got someone here to take your place The day they blew out the brains of the king Thousands were watching, no one saw a thing It happened so quickly, so quick by surprise Right there in front of everyone's eyes Greatest magic trick ever under the sun Perfectly executed, skillfully done Wolfman, oh Wolfman, oh Wolfman, how Rub-a-dub-dub, it's a murder most foul Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Lee Harvey Oswald's lover, Judith Very Baker. I'm uh, stunned to be allowed to speak here uh, after so many battles. Well, we're going to talk about all the battles, and I appreciate you being here. What I want the audience to know is that 
I have no idea where you are right now. The producers have told me that you weren't allowed to disclose your location. And I think before we get started, I think it's important for our audience to know why you are, I guess you'd say, in hiding. Well, so I can talk to you, so I can stay alive. I've had a lot of threats. Uh, it's amazing, really, that I'm still here, but I trust in God, and I think that my life was preserved for a purpose. You just look back on November 22nd, and the leader of the free world is taken out. Don't you think if they want to take you out, they're going to find you and take you out? Well, let's see. I've been hospitalized five times in four years. I lost all my possessions. They poured water over my computer and everything I owned. I lost my position teaching. I had to run overseas um, and try to live. I've been living overseas for 10 years. I come back with bodyguards. For example, today alone, I have a site called JudithBaker.com, and it's been attacked with uh, uh, trying to get into it. You know, passwords locked out six times just today. I have had uh, people look at my computers and they've seen I had six, over 6,000 attacks on my computer in just one week. And that's the kind of thing I have to put up with. But I think the most important is that I can't see very well. I, I am almost legally blind because of four concussions that I've received. One was uh, from a, well, fake name, stolen truck or I should say uh, van, and uh, fake license plates. Uh, Geico got real, real tired of trying to find these people. The fact is, is that those who know me know, know the sufferings that have happened, and the fact I can't see my children, my grandchildren. I can't stay with any friends. I'll give you an example. One of my friends in California, after I stayed there a couple of weeks, I said, don't, I shouldn't stay this long. They found two dead babies floating in her swimming pool after I left. And another fact, uh, Debbie Reynolds, not the famous movie star, but over in Garland, Texas, she went with me to find some evidence about Jack Ruby. She was gone two and a half weeks, came back to her house. This is on film. She found her home filled over a meter high, that's over three feet high, with animal, that is dog, especially in human feces. Her house was filled with millions of flies and, and uh, maggots and so on, and they had to destroy the house. She had to go and move and live in with her mother. I could talk about other bad things that have happened. They've been documented. I don't want to do this to my friends or my family, so I have no, I have no country. I have no way to be with my grandchildren. And I want to tell you something else. I would have been a rich woman. All I had to do, because I have the witnesses, and they keep coming out, by the way. We had three new witnesses last year that support everything I'm saying. I'm telling you this. If all I had to do, because of all the evidence I have, all I have to do is say, Lee Oswald killed Kennedy, I'd be a wealthy woman. I'd be having a limousine, I'd have all this stuff. But you know something, I love this man with all my heart and he's been treated horribly. He's the opposite of what they want you to believe about him. And because I love him, I'm here before you and I'll take, I'll take whatever arrows 
you sling at me about why I'm still alive. But there's another thing. I have an IQ of 160, and I'm not stupid. I go under uh, different names. I have friends who uh, buy tickets for me in their names and so on. Uh, I never, for example, I don't buy one, just, just one airline ticket to get somewhere. I'll buy two at least. And, uh, and th th this is expensive, but this is the way you have to do it. I may take a, a train, a bus, or have someone drive me to a certain place. I never return to the same city when I return from the United States. Based on all your knowledge, and all the things that you've been a privy to, and all the people you've talked to, who actually shot JFK that day? And do you believe that James Files was the guy on the grassy knoll that delivered the fatal shot? This is a complex question, which requires, in my uh, position, a complex answer. First of all, Jimmy Files has nothing to gain by what he's confessed. He's also, uh, he has spoken uh, certain uh, things to me, uh, well, this is through correspondence, that made me understand that he knew that Lee was innocent and that he also has provided a reason for me to believe why Lee had to cut me off suddenly on Sunday. Yeah, that was 17th of November. And I had to wait until Wednesday to call it Lee back because of a call wheel we had set up. Uh, nobody else had ever provided a reason for why Lee had to hang up. He said he, he could not get away from this person. On the other hand, Lee told me he had met a number of people, and so I have a few conflicts with what Jimmy Files has said. On the other hand, I know darn well that Jimmy was involved with the mafia, and he was a driver. He has mentioned uh, with the most cold and lack of, uh, of passion how he shot JFK. This is what a person does when they are a killer. Now. Jimmy had an experience in, that he viewed uh, or had some kind of experience spiritually with Jesus Christ. And I believe that he's put himself forward, if not for himself, but to clear his conscience at the very least that he knows who did it and he's taking the blame because he's killed people himself. So that's how far I can go. I was not there in Dealey Plaza. I can't say... Jim Files killed Kennedy, but I can tell you one thing, he sure acts like it. Hush little children, you'll understand. The Beatles are coming, they're gonna hold your hand. Slide down the banister, go get your coat. Ferry across the Mersey and go for the throw. There's three bums coming all dressed in rags. Pick up the pieces and over the flags. I'm going to Woodstock, it's the Aquarian age. Then I'll go over to Altamont and sit near the stage. Put your head out the window, let the good times roll. There's a party going on behind the glassy door. 
Stack up the bricks Pour the cement Don't say Dallas don't love you, Mr. President Put your foot in the tank and step on the gas Try to make it to the triple underpass Blackface singer, whiteface clown Better not show your faces after the sun goes down I'm in the red light district Like a cop on the beat Living in a nightmare on Elm Street When you're down on New Bellum Put your money in your shoe Don't ask what your country can do for you Cash on the barrelhead, money to burn Daily Plaza, make a left hand turn I'm going down to the crossroads, gonna fly the ride The place where faith, hope and charity died Shoot him while he runs, boy, shoot him while you can If you can shoot the invisible man Goodbye, Charlie Goodbye, Uncle Sam Frankly, Miss Scarlet, I don't give a damn What is the truth? Where did it go? Ask Oswald and Ruby Leon, I know Shut your mouth, say the wise old owl Business is business And it's a murder most found So take us back when you met Lee for the first time where were you? What happened? And they say that a woman knows within five minutes of meeting a guy if she's going to be with him. Did you know? Immediately. Absolutely. So tell us the circumstances and when you found out, how long after that did you find out what he was involved with? <laughs> you would be surprised how, how quickly that happened. See, I had known a spy earlier, his name, uh, well, it's not that important, but uh, what is important is that, for example, I had dated Tony Lopez Frisquet, who was the son of the Cuba's finance minister under Castro, and his father was uh, actually associated with the CIA. I had learned a great deal about uh, Cuba, I thought I knew a lot more than uh, Lee when I first met him. That turned out to be ridiculous. Lee knew, had memorized every mountain, rivulet, valley, river, the entire history of Cuba, uh, everything, because originally they had planned to have him go into Cuba. I knew what kind of a man he was after we met. You see, I didn't see a wedding ring on his uh, left hand when we first met. And it was only a few minutes after that, after I already flirted with him and everything, I was angry at my fiance for not coming and not uh, when he said he was going to come, not, not writing. 
Uh, I was disappointed, and here was Lee Oswald standing behind me, young and very nice-looking young man, and I was attracted to him immediately. To make a long story short, it turned out that he actually uh, knew Russian. I knew Russian. This was incredible to me because it was in New Orleans, and I didn't understand at first, but when I saw the wedding ring on his right hand, I realized that he had married someone who was probably in the Soviet Union. We started talking about things like that. When I realized that he had been in the Soviet Union and had returned at the height of the Cold War without being arrested, I knew I was looking at a hero. That's how it started. If, in fact, Lee Harvey Oswald never fired a shot, but everybody that day presumably had a mission, had marching orders. So in your opinion, was Lee involved in the assassination plot? Was he involved in preventing the assassination? Was he involved in the CIA? And what were his marching orders to accomplish that day? Well, one of the things that people don't realize, I said, I know there's nothing out there about this. And it will look like to you like I'm just making a wild claim. But Lee Oswald had joined an abort team. And that team had been put together in order to try to save Kennedy's life. Unfortunately, it meant that Lee Oswald had to stay put in one area. And now uh, I believe the abort team was uh, just concocted, put together, in order to make sure he would stay where he was, uh, waiting to um, maybe like stop an ass assassin and so on. When I said this to Jim Mars, he sat up and looked at me. He said, nobody knows about the abort team. And I said, well, yeah, I know that. No, he said, no, but I do. He said, Robert Tosh Plumley told me all about this not long ago. And he had showed me a map and he showed me this, that, and the other. And he said, now I'm going to listen to you, Judith. And he certainly has been a friend and supporter ever since, as I reveal more and more things that I knew. For example, Lee told me the name of the operation to kill Kennedy was called the big event. I brought this out in 2003. Uh, you have the CIA operative, Mr. Hunt, who named the operation the big event some months after I did on tape. So I have had a lot of inside information I've been able to give and to offer. So. How did you know that Lee worked for the CIA and what his involvement was, not only with the CIA in the past, the present, but leading up to November 22nd, 1963? Okay. Um, I was in the post office. I had a fiancé who was supposed to be writing me every day, and he said he would come marry me and, and so on. He had a huge IQ, bigger than mine, and about the only person I could find that was taller than I had, a 186 IQ, incredible. He went on to become a star with Exxon Corporation, many uh, patents and all that. He turned out to be, uh, shall we say, like having Asperger's. He didn't mean to be the way he was, but he was very careless with me and my feelings, and in this case, callous, because he hadn't been writing. I didn't know whether he was going to come at one at all uh, and marry me or what. And I had been invited to come to New Orleans 
and work on a project on cancer with a very important woman. Her name was Dr. Mary Sherman. She was working with Dr. Alton Oxner. I knew all these people. They had seen my work. I had given cancer to weanling mice in only seven days. Um, nobody had been able to do that before that, that few days. And I did this in a primitive lab. Well, that turned out to be very important because I'd had world-class training since then, but I knew how to handle um, various, uh, well, let's put it this way, dangerous viruses that cause cancer. And that for a long time, uh, they suppressed the uh, notion that, that any virus could cause cancer. Trust me, we now have the papillomavirus, for example, that you can get a, uh, you know, a vaccine for. So they're finally admitting this. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my Blueprint for Success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Tommy, can you hear me? I'm the Acid Queen. I'm riding in a long Balanca Lincoln limousine Riding in the back seat next to my wife Heading straight on into the afterlife I'm leaning to the left and I got my head on the lap Oh Lord, I've been led into some kind of a trap well, we ask no quarter, no quarter do we give We're right down the street From the street where you live They mutilated his body and they took out his brain What more could they do? They piled on the pain But his soul was not there Where it was supposed to be at the last 50 years they've been searching for that freedom oh freedom freedom over me I hate to tell you mister but only dead men are free send me some love tell me no lie the gun in the gutter and walk on by Wake up little Susie, let's go for a drive Cross the Trinity River, let's keep hope alive Turn the radio on, don't touch the dial 
Parkland Hospital, only six more miles. You got me dizzy, Miss Lizzie. You fill me with lead. That magic bullet of yours has gone on my head. I'm just a Patsy like Patsy Cline. Never shot anyone from in front or behind. I blood in my eye, got blood in my ear. I'm never gonna make it to the new frontier. Zubitus film I've seen like before. Seen it 33 times, maybe more. It's vile and deceitful, it's cruel and it's mean. Ugliest thing that you ever have seen They killed him once and they killed him twice Killed him like a human sacrifice The day that they killed him someone said to me, son The age of the Antichrist has just only begun Air Force One coming in through the gate Johnson sworn in at 2.38 Let me know when you decide to throw in the towel It is what it is And it's murder most foul Do you think it's possible that you know all these people who were behind the scenes that we're going to talk about killed Kennedy, but in a concentrated effort with the best experts and the smartest people in the world, we failed to kill Castro? Well, I think that uh, there's a, a there's proximity. First of all, I mean Kennedy's right under your nose. Castro's in a different country. And number two, Castro had a lot of spies. One of the reasons that Lee Oswald was sent to New Orleans was to help to ferret out these spies. I mean, Castro knew people were out there to get him. He also knew the mafia was being paid a lot of money. Uh, but the mafia was also helping Castro because what? Think about this. Every time uh, they were given money, they said they're going to go after Castro, but why should they kill him? Then they don't get any more money. You see what I'm saying? So... A lot of leaks were going on. When Lee Oswald was sent to New Orleans, uh, he posed as pro-Castro and was handing out like leaflets. We could go into a lot of detail there, but to make a long story short, they were being filmed. People who took those leaflets, if they were, uh, if they looked Latino and if they were male, they were followed, often arrested, often deported. So Lee was clearing out some of these spies that Castro had, and he had them everywhere. You understand that New Orleans is uh, where, uh, real close to Lake Pontchartrain, where training camps were going on that summer, including uh, one that Lee Oswald got involved with. He penetrated that group. So Lee was there actively trying to clear everything so that we could do our project, for example, without it getting hijacked, uh, ruined, uh, infiltrated, and so on. The reason that we had part of it uh, outside the, the general circle, we had all these doctors working 
they didn't know about each other necessarily. They had, you know, this doctor or this lab had a portion and so on, but they had to break that ring so they wouldn't be in communication with each other. For that reason, we had David Ferry, whose mother had uh, died of cancer, and he, had, he was friends with Dr. Mary Sherman. He was untraceable. I was another untraceable. Even though um, I had a lot of training, I wasn't a doctor yet, no credentials. So we were ideal. And on top of that, I had worked in primitive labs before. I knew how to handle these dangerous um, viruses and everything that we were working with. I understood them perfectly well. And I had another thing going for me. I had been uh, trained at Roswell Park Institute and worked with RPMI uh, 1640 medium. This medium was the most advanced in the world. It hadn't yet come out to the public. In fact, we were still developing it. I helped work on that. I have documents to show that. And so I was one of the few people in the world who had a formula that would make cancer grow faster than any other formula would. So for many reasons, I was brought in to um, work on this project. Now, here's what's interesting about Lee Oswald. Why in the world would he be involved in this kind of project to kill Castro. First of all, he was interested in killing Castro. Castro was doing everything he could to protect himself. But one of the things he hadn't really worked on so much, he really trusted his doctors, yet very good reasons to do so. Some of them, however, had other contacts who maybe weren't as, uh, shouldn't have been trusted as much. And I'm talking about lab techs. For example, when you go in to get an x-ray, the doctor is not the one who handles the x-ray machine. Have you any idea who handles your x-rays when you're x-rayed, my friend? No. No. Well, do you think Castro had uh, done a lot of research on who is handling his x-rays when he's told to get an x-ray because he has a cough? Well, I'm telling you, we had our ways and we had our uh, contacts. Uh, Castro had decided to uh, send all the doctors to be to the USSR instead of to the United States. And uh, they were getting very good training there, but they were also on salaries. I mean, we know one contact we had, he was supposed to, he thought he was going to become a very rich man working as a plastic surgeon. Instead, he was out there fixing peasants' broken noses, you see. Uh, not making much more than a peasant for what he was doing. So we had some disgruntled uh, people. A lot of them were the sons of or daughters of some of these trusted doctors. So there's the situation. Castro is basically being uh, kept very carefully um, from danger and from harm by people who really loved him and cared about him a great deal. But we knew we had ways to get through to them because people trust their doctors. You see, Alton Oxner himself learned this the hard way. He had put a lot of money into Cutter Laboratories, uh, their new polio vaccine. He was so proud of what was accomplished and what his doctor friends there who were, uh, had developed the vaccine. He brought in uh, photographers. He called everybody together. He injected the Cutter vaccine, the polio vaccine, into his own grandchildren, a little toddler and his sister. That little boy was dead seven days later, and the little girl got polio. If he had waited one more day, he would have heard about California 
banning it because people were dying from this cutter fact. It's called a cutter incident. But why did he hire you when you were 19? I was induced to come because uh, th what they did is they told me I would be uh, getting into grad school, medical school, two years early, and everything would be paid. All I had to do was have an internship with Dr. Sherman. But that got turned all upside down when I met, when I came two weeks early and met Lee Oswald because I was a loose cannon at that time. I had come two weeks early because the University of Florida got out two weeks earlier because they went on the new trimester system. And here I came early and my doctors were out of town. I, uh, I was at the YWCA. I, I couldn't believe it. They didn't know I was coming or anything. And I was very naive. If you read my book, Me and Lee, you'll see that I had no way of going home at that time. My parents um, didn't want me to go to college. They wanted me to run their business and so on and so forth. So there I was stuck. I had almost no money. I had to move in into the cheapest room in that YWCA because I didn't have very much money with me. And I so I was with two strippers, a Playboy bunny, and a real tough waitress. And I had to pay her money so she wouldn't steal my stuff. I mean, this was what um, the situation was. And here, Dr. Oxner was in um, Latin America. Dr. Mary Sherman was away at a conference. And I had nobody to protect me. And what happens? Lee Oswald finally shows up, and he becomes my protector. So he was young. He, uh, they couldn't have sent an old geezer, uh, you know. And uh, I was angry at, because my fiancé had not written. This man is standing behind me. He's clean cut. He, he's nice. He's polite. I look. He doesn't have a ring on his finger. Only later do I see that. You have a ring on your finger. Oh, no, I wasn't married yet. You said you're a fiancé. That means you're engaged. Oh, but he was a cheapskate. I had to buy my own wedding ring. He didn't even give me that again. <laughs> I mean, this man was so cheap that he gambled his own money away, used my paycheck, as it turned out, and uh, I, I couldn't believe how, how, how mean he was. He, we were married one day, one day, and he left. So you did get married. On weeks. Well, yeah, but fun, yeah, because I wanted birth control pills. I, they were so important to me because I didn't want to get, you know, pregnant. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career.
forever. What's new, pussycat? What do I say? I said the soul of a nation will turn away. And it's beginning to go into a slow decay. That it's 36 hours past Judgment Day. Wolfman Jack, he's speaking in tongues. He's going on and on, on at the top of his lungs. Play me a song, Mr. Wolfman Jack. Play it for me in my long Cadillac. Believe me that only the good die young Take me to the place Tom Dooley was hung They say James Infirmary in the court of King James If you want to remember you better write down the names Play it at James too Play it rather go blind Play it for the man with a telepathic mind. Play John Lee Hooker, play Scratch My Back. Play it for that strip club owner named Jack. Guitar Slim going down slow. Play it for me and for Marilyn Monroe. I don't understand that, what you just said. You have to get married to get birth control pills? That's the way it was. I have all the documentation to prove it. In 1963, if you weren't married, you could not get them. So, I, that, in fact, it, it was so important to me. I've shown many I've got these evidence files. One of the things I kept was a pink birth control pill from way back then. That's how important it was. I probably had the oldest birth control pill outside of some... Uh, company, you know, in existence. It's just one of the little things I kept. I kept a lot of things because I was in a project and I was all for it to kill Castro. That man had aimed nuclear weapons at my family and me and everybody right there in Florida only six months earlier. And we came so close to the brink of nuclear war. And you bet one man rather than World War Three. Yes, that's why I agreed. I agreed to help when I found out uh, what they wanted me to do to participate in this project. So the project ends unsuccessful, and then where do you go from there, and where does Lee go from there? Well, the project didn't end until right at the uh, very first of August. I mean, uh, excuse me, September. It, at, at the first of August is when we started experimenting with, well, to make a long story short, I was kicked out of the project for objecting. They used prisoners. They used volunteers and didn't tell them that if the material worked, it would kill them. When I objected, I was kicked out of the project and saved my life because I was Judy Very with the project. I was Mrs. Baker when I was working on the cover job with Lee Oswald. You know, we were hired the same day by the little 
Standard Coffee Company, which was a subsidiary of Riley, a bigger company. There were only eight to 10 employees there. And we were there a week, and the same day we were transferred over to Riley. I've got all the documents, everything. And on the, um, seven, see, on the 19th of July, Lee was fired. On the 20th, they have an ad in the paper to replace me because I was covering for him. It's a long story. You can read it in the book, me and Lee. But the point is, is that even after that, when Lee was arrested on August 9th, that's the last, they fired me at Riley. So I've got that evidence as well. We've had Dr. John Delane, Delane Williams, who's done a, a study, a statistical study and an analysis showing that the chances are over a million to one that that was all accident. And a 99% chance that we were lovers. So we have a lot of uh, things like that. Um, so many coincidences like Lee and I arrived the same week in New Orleans. We got our same apartments the same week in New Orleans, only walking distance from each other. We left New Orleans in September, same month, never to return. I could go on and on with all the coincidences, like I could speak Russian. I mean, this is what amazed him. Now, I wasn't very good at it, but I had, um, I have the record showing that I studied Russian, and so I could uh, actually read Russian uh, we have all these uh, various medical treatises and journals and so on that were in Russian that I needed to know, see how far advanced they were in cancer research. It was one of the things they had me do. The History Channel is trying to tell us uh, recently that Lee Oswald met with a Russian assassin named Kostikov. And this former CIA agent who gets his retirement checks from the CIA is the one they're using for their so-called, quote, independent, unquote, investigation. And so they have Lee Oswald, they say, meeting with Kostikov, uh, calling him on the phone. And yet we have Edgar Hoover himself, the head of the FBI, in a, in a conversation that we have recorded saying that Lee Oswald was not the person that was talking to Kostikov in this broken Russian this was a fake. This was an imposter. It wasn't Lee Oswald. Despite that, History Channel pretends it was. It's just outrageous. And they do things like that. I can tell you, I can assert to you as a fact, Lee Harvey Oswald went to Mexico City to hand off a biological weapon. They don't want you to know about things like this because if if the world knew that Lee was CIA and that he had been framed and cruelly, cruelly betrayed by the CIA, they would understand a little bit about how the CIA can't be trusted even by its own operatives. It was horrible what happened to Lee. We were in love. It, he was promised to be able to stay in Mexico City. And you know what happened? He was forced to, to uh, return. Uh, he was not able to drop off the material. In my book, I showed step by step how he left the material, how he went to the U.S. Public Health Service at the border. We have the records for that. Told them where the material was. 
had saved a lot of um, uh, his suit and all kinds of things over in Laredo. We have records showing the FBI went to Laredo, Texas, went through um, safety deposit boxes there looking for Lee Oswald's money and everything else. Of course, they'll never tell you what they found. But the fact is that they went there because Lee and I were going to go and live in Mexico. We had been promised that we could be um, just informants for the FBI and CIA there. And all that was lies. All that was lies to entrap him, to send him to Mexico City, just like the History Channel is saying he was there to meet with assassins. They put imposters in there to pretend they were him. It's disgusting. And I will stand against that. Bring them on. So take our audience through the last week or two before November 22nd. When did you, as his lover, find out that there was something going to go down on that day? When's the first time you knew something? And when's the first time he knew something? All right, the first time was, in July, was July 26, 1963. He had met... Um, with uh, some, uh, well, I'll put it this way, he was at, at um, he had given a talk over in Mobile, Alabama. And at that time, uh, Bobby Kennedy sent down a priest, a Jesuit priest, but CIA was also there. And at that time, he found out they were not going to be sending him to college, as they had promised, that they were not going to let him advance. Lee told me, I think I'm going to be a dead man. I said, well, well, what is it, Lee? What happened? And he said this. He said, "I didn't. Jesus didn't uh, like the fact that I didn't come back in a coffin. And he won't trust me now because I may have turned. He said, they're not going to let me advance. He said, this puts me in a bad spot because they're having me pose as pro-Castro. They could use me. You know, they could, they could just blow me away that way, use me. Now, that's, that was his first... Um, Kent, if you want to say that. I was in Florida. And I had my pack, my bags and all that. They'd given me a special job. You see, I was kicked out of cancer research, but there was a problem. All these uh, reporters, I, they were always following me around. I, I, my name was all over the papers all over the United States as being this genius and wonder cocooned and so on and so forth. The trouble is, is um, all of a sudden I'm not in it anymore. So they had a problem. What they did is they put me in a prestigious position at Peninsular Chem Research doing uh, some really good work with halogens and uh, polymers and so on. It, it was only barely related to cancer, but it would be a way to make it look like I was still in the field. Now, here's what's interesting. I was just a sophomore. They changed my records. I had invented a new method to get magnesium out of seawater Okay, uh, using a modified process that had been uh, first used in Germany. And I'd gone to International Science Fair. I met Ver von Braun and all kinds of people like that. Got all kinds of help from my cancer research at that time. All of that, but if you look at my record at the University of Florida, it says all I have is one basic course in chemistry with a D. Now you tell, and I have all my records I've got my W-2 forms, I've got my checks and everything showing that I worked at Peninsular Chem Research. Now, there's, that was founded by the University of Florida professors in chemistry. Any of those students over there, they would have given their eye teeth to work for nothing for the position I had. They had to put me there so it looked like 
uh, no, none of the reporters would catch on that I was not going to be in cancer research anymore. And from that position, then I was slowly let go. And I was not even allowed to take a chemistry course. I tried. Uh, they blocked me. Please don't let me be misunderstood. Play it for the first lady, she ain't feeling too good. Play Don Henley, play Glenn Fry. Take it to the limit and let it go by. Play it for Kyle Wilson, too. Looking far, far away down Gower Avenue. Play tragedy, play twilight time. Take me back to Tulsa to the scene of the crime. Play another one and another one bites the dust. Play the old rugged cross and in God we trust. Ride the pink horse down that long lonesome road. Stand there and wait for us to explode. Play mystery train for Mr. Mystery. The man who fell down dead like a rootless tree. Play it for the reverend, play it for the pastor. Play it for the dog that got no master. Play Oscar Peterson, play Stan Getz. Play Blue Sky, play Dickie Betts. Play Art Pepper, Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker. And all of that junk All that junk and all of that jazz Play something for the Birdman of Alcatraz Play Buster Keaton Play Harry Lloyd Play Bugsy Seagull Play Pretty Boy Floyd Play the numbers Play the odds They cry me a river for the Lord of the Gods. Play number nine, play number six. Play it for Nancy and Stevie Nicks. Play Nat King Cole, play Nature Boy. Play down in the boondocks for Terry Marlowe. Play it happened one night at White Night of Sin. There's 12 million souls that are listening in. Play Merchant of Venice, play Merchants of Death. Play Stella by Starlight for Lady Macbeth. Don't win, Mr. President. Help's on the way. Your brothers are coming. There'll be hell to pay. Brothers, what brothers? What's this about hell? Tell them we're waiting, keep coming. We'll get them as well. Love Field is where his plane touched down. But it never did get back up off of the ground. It was a hard act to follow, second to none. 
They killed him on the altar of the rising sun It ain't misty for me And that old devil moon Play anything goes And Memphis in June Play lonely at the top And lonely at the brave Play it for Houdini spinning around his way Play Jelly Roll Morton, play Lucille Play Deep in a Dream and play Driving Wheel Play Moonlight Sonata in F-Sharp And the key to the highway for the king of the heart Play Marching through Georgia in Dunbarton Strong Play darkness and death will come when it comes Play love me or leave me by the great bird town Play the bloodstained banner, play murder most foul Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I want to talk to you about an amazing documentary that I worked on a few years back called I Killed JFK, which was unlike anything I ever did in my life. It centered on a man who'd been in prison for 30 years, who's the only person in history to have admitted to killing Kennedy, and his story is unbelievable. He started as a runner for the mob. He was hired to drive two hitmen from that city around Dallas, and he ended up being the guy who calibrated their weapons. And he was there that day with one of his own and took the fatal shot that killed John F. Kennedy on the grassy knoll. His story, the footage, the interviews, never been seen before. You can't find them anywhere else except on this documentary. So go to barrycats.com to the merch page and buy the documentary with the rare interviews of the five greatest historical experts in the world, many of which you'll hear on the next three weeks of podcasts. So just go to barrycats.com, the merch page, Pick up the documentary and interviews, and I guarantee it will reverse the way you feel about what happened that day in 1963 and change your opinion of the government and how it works and alter the way you think about things forever. Lastly, I want to talk to you about something really impactful and involves something really close to my heart, self-education. You see, throughout my life, I realized that every success I've ever achieved in my career has come from the education I received from my experiences in the business. And I truly believe that we all have the knowledge inside of us that others would kill for. And by sharing that, we can open up an entirely new world of possibilities for ourselves. That's why I'm so excited to tell you that I partnered up with my friend Tony Robbins, who's been number one in this field for 40 years. Along with his team of experts, Dean Graziosi and Russell Brunson, they'll show you how to take that valuable knowledge in your mind and turn it into an incredibly profitable mastermind workshop or event, just like they have and continue to do in their careers. 
and they're launching a new training program that's literally changing people's lives by helping people like you be a part of this $129 billion a year business. So it's an incredible opportunity for someone like yourself to build your own business, share your knowledge, and help and serve people in a huge way with the guidance of Tony Robbins the best in the business. He's actually going to teach people like you how to make big money and build a successful business. So if you're ready to take your life to the next level, they're doing a free live training session today at barrykbb.com. That's B-A-R-R-Y-K-B-B.com. Look, I've done over 440 free podcast episodes of Industry Standard. And because of your incredible response, it's reinforced my belief that we're morally obligated to share and pass on our knowledge with the world and help other people in those ways. I truly believe this. And I really love this groundbreaking training program and how it can turn your knowledge into an extraordinary amount of money. So just go to barrykbb.com, that's B-A-R-R-Y-K-B-B.com, to this free training session with the best in the business, Tony Robbins. I guarantee you, it will change your life forever. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get out the money Drop that fancy car All the people love you Cause you're going far Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley A fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.